Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be yours in abundance today. As you consider how he can make his love increase for you so that your love might increase for others. Garden hoses and Thanksgiving dinners. And yes, this is the first time in many years I've ever started a sermon with those two things being called into your mind. Here's why. When you are watering your grass or your flower beds or your garden, if you have a backyard garden, if garden hoses could talk, would it ever tell you, hey, not so much. We're going to run out. There's not enough water at all. Now, to be fair, if you lived in the western part of the United States and it was a time of severe drought, you might have some of that cross your mind, but the vast majority of the time, no. You water your flower bed and your garden and your grass and you do not think at all if the water is going to run out or not because quite simply it won't. What about Thanksgiving dinner? You sit down at the table, there's a group of family or friends gathered around the table with you, and you can't help but notice the turkey platter's only one-third full, and the bowl of mashed potatoes only one-third full, the bowl of buttered corn only one-third full. And then you hear the host and the hostess say, sorry, that's all we got. How hefty would your helping be, maybe a spoonful or two, compared to if you sit down at Thanksgiving dinner with family and friends and the turkey platter is overflowing and the mashed potatoes are overflowing and the buttered corn bowl is overflowing and you hear the host and hostess say, hey, eat up, there's more in the kitchen, plenty more. Those two pictures of garden hoses and Thanksgiving dinner, very different. Which one is a better analogy of God's love? Is he trying to help us say, slow down, easy does it. I'm not sure if I have enough love to go around for everybody in every situation. Or is it the alternative, which I know that you know it is, God has more than enough love, an abundant excess of love for you and all in any and every situation that comes up. Keep that in mind today as we think about how precious it is to have full confidence that the Lord makes our love overflow. And the amount is not small. The scriptures that we get to think about today are from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. In these verses, 
the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonian congregation. And we don't know a lot about what was going on there, but we do know this. And the little bit we know would make us take pause and say, wow, those people really needed to focus on Jesus so that their love would overflow. You see, when Paul was in Thessalonica, he was there three weeks, and three weeks in a row, he preached in their synagogue. And he preached, Jesus is the Savior. He died for you and your sin. He rose from the dead to give you life after death. Jesus preached that, Paul preached that Jesus is the Messiah, the only one who could have done this. Some listened and came around to faith and joined their congregation. Others, though, were jealous and vicious, even furious. And those jealous people rounded up the roughest characters they could find, formed a mob, and stormed the house of a man named Jason. Because Jason was a believer and they thought maybe Paul and Silas were there at Jason's house. They wanted to yank the missionaries out of that safe Christian home and into the crowd that was stirred up and angry. Paul and Silas weren't at Jason's house, so instead of yanking the missionaries out of the home, they yanked Jason out. And they brought him before the authorities and said, this guy is hosting other people who have caused trouble all over the world. And now they've come here to our town. And the trouble all centers on this, that they don't care about Caesar. Instead, they worship this guy named Jesus, who claims to be a king. Uh, who's the one stirring up the riot? Who's the one being the mob mentality here? certainly wasn't the missionaries or the Christians. It was the jealous ones. And yet, at the end of the day, Paul and Silas slipped out of town, kept preaching about Jesus to other towns as they went forward on their mission journey, but Jason and the other Christians were still there in Thessalonica with those jealous people still around. And now they had the bullseye squarely on their back. How would you encourage them? Hey, don't give up Christianity. Hey, God's in control in spite of all this stuff you see and hear in your earthly lives. Well, that's what the book of 1 Thessalonians is and 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul's letter to that congregation to encourage them during their times of persecution. We have a few verses today to go through and they will help us see that Paul's great prayer for the Thessalonians wasn't actually hunker down, hang tough, you can do it. And it certainly wasn't fight back with all you've got because they deserve it. Instead it was, we're praying for you so that the Lord will make your love increase and overflow. And remember, as you're thinking about that, the one we're depending on to help us do that has an inexhaustible supply. The water's not going to run out for the garden hose. The food's not going to run out at Thanksgiving dinner. With all of that in mind, let's get into the verses here. Verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you 
in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God, our God, because of you. The Apostle Paul says, it's just happiness all over the place. It's, it's joy popcorning around everywhere in my heart. When I think of you because you heard the message about how sinful you were, you heard the message about how forgiving Jesus is, and you believed it. You know you have a home in heaven. You know that's not going to change no matter what people try to do when they storm your house and drag you before the authorities unfairly. That makes no difference. We have joy night and day all the time because of you and your faith that God has worked in you. Verse 10, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul and Silas really wanted to see the Thessalonians again. It's safe to say that because of the tension in the air against Christianity and Jesus, that wouldn't be simple. Not to mention the travel logistics back then were different than they are now. You couldn't just get from one point in the world to another point in 24 hours or less if you have enough money and can book the right plane ticket. Paul really wanted to see them, not for any reason other than to give them something. He wanted to supply what was lacking in their faith, like a jigsaw puzzle missing a few pieces yet. The Thessalonians were works in progress, their faith could grow. It hadn't reached its cap. And Paul wanted to supply what was lacking in their faith to help them continue to show love that God had shown them first to the people around them. Now maybe that's worth a little bit of more further explanation. Please note that when Paul is saying, I want to supply what is lacking for your faith, he is not talking about this. He is not talking about Jesus has shown you love, but there's still something lacking. Jesus has forgiven a lot, but there's still something missing. God gives you the path to get to heaven, but you still have to fill in the blank with whatever you would still have to do. That is not at all. What Paul is talking about when he says, I want to supply what is lacking in your faith. There were no jigsaw puzzle pieces missing this way. The Thessalonians were fully forgiven by God's grace because of Christ's finished work. The Thessalonians were firmly anchored in a heavenly home waiting for them one day because of Christ's finished work. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. This way. But did they love everybody perfectly? Of course not. We don't either. In fact, nobody this side of heaven does other than Jesus Christ himself when he was here. And that is what Paul is describing. I want to supply some missing jigsaw puzzle pieces for your faith in the way that you love those around you. If we looked in the mirror and spent some time thinking about how might that apply to me, what would be a jigsaw puzzle piece of love that's lacking in the way that I treat other people? There's a few things that might come to mind. One would be if there's someone in your life 
who is living a sinful lifestyle. They are charging ahead into addiction. They are charging ahead into greed or, or lust. And they are lying about it, and you know it, and they know it. But what might be lacking in your faith would be the godly, loving courage to be loving enough to have tough love and say, you need to stop. You're hurting your relationship with Jesus. You're hurting your relationship with many others as well. You need to stop. Stop sinning. Repent. It might be something that's missing in our faith, in the love that we share with other people, that we don't have that abundant love and courage God can give to tell people, stop, you need to repent in that tough love way. What else might be a way that we would have some puzzle pieces missing? One might come if we feel like we're treated on a smaller scale maybe, but still a vicious scale of someone else persecuting you because you believe in Jesus as your Savior and you believe that the Bible is God's holy word with no mistakes. God would need to give you enough love to love them even when they might be considered your enemy, an enemy of Christ at least. It's not easy in the thrust of the heat of the moment or going forward after the thrust of the heat of the moment to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe that's another piece of our faith, life, puzzle in the way that we love others that is still missing, could use some work. Or what about if our hearts are attached to things below and not things above? Instead of saying, my greatest possession is Jesus, heaven being my home, forgiveness being mine eternally, we treat that as almost an afterthought and get really excited, nervous, angry, frustrated about things below. And we're so emotionally attached to the things below, we spend all of our time and money there, and heavenly things are an afterthought instead of the opposite, where heavenly truth is our everything, and we spend a lot of time and money with that priority in mind, and then the rest of it is just kind of a shrug of the shoulders, whatever. That might be some area where our faith, life, and love for others is missing some pieces. What do we do when we realize how we are falling short of the perfect life of love, which, hey, let's face it, that's not hard to find, is it? It's not hard to find. We think about... Who's in charge of my heart? Every Sunday, when we say the Lord's Prayer, or, or every time you say the Lord's Prayer in addition to that, we pray the words, Thy kingdom come, which is another way to say, Jesus, you come and rule in my heart. Jesus, you and your love, your courageous love, your forgiving love, your heavenly-centered priority love, you come and rule in my heart. 
Thy kingdom come. You're the king of my heart, not me. And as we are thinking about that, guess what? We realize all over again, Jesus has forgiven all sin for all time. Jesus has washed away and disconnected us from any wrath of God we would incur because we have been less than loving when people are persecuting us, less than loving in our priorities, comparing earthly priorities with heavenly priorities, less than loving with holding grudges and failing to show tough love. Jesus washes it all away. And God sees us as someone who is spotless. No sin. No mistakes. Nothing at all standing in the way between you and God. Not even one little thing. And all the love Jesus has for us to forgive us, to forgive you from a whole lifetime of sinning. That's a lot of love, isn't it? Just, just one person, a lifetime of sin erased in Christ. And then multiply that by all of the people of the world and then multiply that even further because Jesus has even more love where that came from when it comes to supplying what is lacking in your faith. When it comes to helping you keep growing as a work in progress under Christ's name. When it comes to helping you to be loving, to have tough love, to tell someone, stop sinning. This is bad for your, your faith and your relationship with God. Jesus has enough loving courage to give you some of his. When it comes time to forgiving someone, even when it's someone who has hurt you deeply, even when it's someone who is undeserving, Jesus has enough forgiving love to give you plenty of forgiving love to share with them. Even when it comes to having heavenly priorities instead of earthly priorities, Jesus has enough love that loves forgiveness and the home in heaven waiting for us to give to you to help your priorities be just like his. What an amazing thing to think about that as there's plenty of water in the city water supply for your little garden hose to sprinkle on your grass or flower beds or gardens, we, in Christ, can take the amazing measure of God's love that flows to us and through us to sprinkle to the people in our lives in lots of different ways. Not a fire hose, that'd be too much and too fast. Maybe it wouldn't be effective, just like a fire hose wouldn't be very effective for watering your grass in the summer. But a sprinkle. Loving, constant, refreshing, helping anyone in anything for any length of time. God has enough love to make your love increase and overflow. And if there's one thing you remember about the sermon today, I hope that it is that. God is the one in charge of making your love increase and overflow, not you. Because if you're like me, there's plenty of times where you think, I don't know if I have the love to do that. 
I don't know if I can muster up the courage to do that. And the answer usually is, well, no, you don't. And I don't. But God does. Listen to these last three verses, and I think you'll see what I mean. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. You see that in verse 12? The Lord is the one in charge of making your love increase and overflow. You see that in verse 13? The Lord is the one in charge of strengthening your hearts and bolstering your soul to be heavenly minded instead of earthly minded. Even to the degree that You'll be blameless on the day when Jesus comes back on Judgment Day and the angels fill the sky and everybody who has ever lived on planet Earth knows without a doubt, with no confusion, he is the king, not anyone else. Lift your heart to that day during this Advent season. Let the King of Kings be in charge of making your love increase and overflow. Let the King of Kings be in charge of strengthening your heart to live for him instead of what is simple and easy and popular and worldly. You've maybe said before at some point in your life to somebody, I love you to death. Well, let's change that a little bit and grow so that we are able to instead love people to life as the Lord's abundant love comes to us and then through us, we can love people to life. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.